You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the 3 a.m. podcast. My name is DJ. My name is Charlie. My name is Sean. Bunch of friends. Been friends for a long time. And uh, over the years, we've collected scary stories. You uh, you heard us. You heard the intro. You know what the f*** it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what it isn't. Uh, good. Rich people. <laughs> Um, i've lived in utah for nine years now damn are we about to sound mad bitter maybe a little (laughs) okay maybe a little bitter Um, warning bitter warning (laughs) skip ahead i've lived i've lived in utah for nine years and i went to a renowned severely hyped and i don't know if it's justified or not but severely hyped, exciting, once a year event for the first time in the nine years here. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I do. What is it? Is it tour of the homes? Yes, it's parade of homes. Oh, parade oh, of homes. For the first time, I went to parade of homes, and I've always been very indifferent about attending parade of homes. My girlfriend really wanted to go. I'm like, sure, could be fun. You know what parade of homes is? Yeah. Yeah. So essentially on paper for builders, it's for builders and buyers. Hmm. And it's a chance for builders to showcase their work. It's almost like Paris Fashion Week where you have all the high fashion brands showcasing their 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 work for that year. Mm-hmm. The only difference is you can only go to Fashion Week if you hang with all the people there. <laughs> with Parade of Homes, anybody can go. <laughs> so on paper, these homes built for the 1%, the 99% of people are going to see. And they just get to walk through. <laughs> yeah, walk through. You buy a ticket, and uh, it's open for a week. So you can go at any time. Like just like have a map and you can go yep. to these different yep. places. They have a map and you can see the homes, you can preview them, and then you can go and walk through. Bro, where tight, do the residents tight. stay during this week? So some of the houses are brand new and nobody lives in there. Oh, okay. 
some of the houses are lived in. So they pay the residents to stay in a hotel for a couple weeks while they prepare it, um, clean the house, make it look real good. Oh, let's do that to our house so they can <laughs> We don't belong. <laughs> I can tell you straight up. Um, we don't belong. It's uh it's uh it's only it's, the bougiest houses, yeah. Dude, it is it's insane. The entire time I wasn't mad. <laughs> But I was amused. I was amused at a dude. It's a little odd because it's a, it's like a keeping up with the Joneses, uh, without the Joneses. <laughs> it's like everyone else watching through the windows. But I was gonna say this is like a looky loo or like a peeping Tom's paradise. It's almost like you could just yeah. walk through these people's yeah. pri- private lives. Yeah, and uh, kind of get out ish. In what way? I saw two colored people there the entire time. Hundreds of people. Did you look at each other and go like this? <laughs> Bump your chest. Okay, okay. Let, let me tell you. One of them was employed by Parade of Homes. Oh, he was putting on everybody's booties, dude. Oh, <laughs> no. That's bad optics, bro. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's booties, handing out flyers. The second colored dude was on the flyer. It was the builders. Oh, and the dude, no. was, the dude was Mexican. And I was like... Who better to put up four walls than the people who climbed over them? Oh, you know? my gosh. <laughs> so uh, that made uh, me and the uh, the worker. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Uh, He's like, what the hell are you doing? Get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're not in uniform. <laughs> but uh, we get to, uh, my girlfriend and I get to the first house. And this one's, I don't know. All the houses are numbered. And this house is number one, which made me think that. Like the numbers were rankings. Hmm. So this is the best. This was the best house, apparently, that everyone was talking about. Everyone was excited for. This house slept. Oh, man. It's so Over the garish. Top. Like gaudy. Like these houses. Um, this first house slept 35 people. Oh, that's it, bro? So average Mormon family. That's a- <laughs> Is it um, an Eagle Mountain? That's, like the, eight, that's like the 1800 Mormons. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. ones that have multiple wives. Um, it's up 35 people. That just speaks to the size of it. You walk in and. Where's it at? In typical fashion uh, in um, Mapleton, which is oh, a little over a, an hour south of Salt Lake City. Yeah. And you walk in, typical on the left, they have, I don't know what you call it, like a little den. The mm. grand piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you filthy casual. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> See, I told you I don't belong. On the right side was the office. In the office, an aquarium with a baby shark. Oh, oh that's dope. A bro. damn baby shark in I'm this house. In, bro. <laughs> I wondered, I wondered if they uh were conscious about making that decision. Like, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a baby shark in this aquarium because it's a flex. I'm like, I am the shark tank. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know how people like get uh, paintings of themselves yeah. naked and they put <laughs> yeah. it up in their own house? So we should do that. You know? Oh, <laughs> We really should. And uh, just exuding so much confidence yeah. through that. It's a huge flex. You're right. Um, I was thinking about if, if you visit my parents' house in Hawaii, you walk in and the first room – is like any traditional Mormon food storage. <laughs> and it's a wall. There, <laughs> Three of the walls are covered. 
One wall is toilet paper, one wall is rice, and the other wall, spam. Yeah, boy. So, that was, that was, uh, that was uh, our uh, our flex. <laughs> That's flex and hard, yeah. bro. This is who we are. You that dude was the shark tank. We are canned meat. You we need a wall spam. of toilet paper when you have that much spam. Yeah. It's insane. This house was so big. So you're walking through. It's a maze. It's the best place you could possibly think of to have a sleepover and play murder in the dark. Oh, shit, dude. Let's do it. It's insane. Um, you go into the basement. Classic indoor basketball court. This one was a full-size basketball court. I've been in big houses, and they've had basketball courts, but it's like a half court. I'm like, oh, you're not rich, rich. You're yeah. just rich. Yeah. Um, and in the basketball court, like uh, the basketball court was expected. You see that on MTV Cribs. You see that in yeah, like, yeah, every yeah. rich person's house. There were double farm doors. And we're like, what's behind this? And we open it up. It's a damn Archery room. (laughs) (laughs) As you do. (laughs) Dedicated to shooting arrows. Bro, this is sounding like the Fantasy Factory. Just different version, bro. (laughs) And I didn't know if I should have been terrified or or not to have that in in the house. Uh, Once you see the archery room, though, that's where you start getting vibes from, like, ready or not. Exactly, dude. That's what I was thinking. Like, they're practicing to hunt. Humans, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the most dangerous game. Yeah. Um, that was that was just the first house we went to, and I was like, "Well, if this is house number one, there's no way the other houses can live up to this." And in terms of size, it was definitely the biggest one, but the other houses had parts about it that were just as lavish and gaudy. Shark Tank, yeah. The second house we roll up to, in a gated community, deep in Alpine. Did you get randomly checked? <laughs> They're like, are you lost? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that wasn't Draper. Yeah. Um, yeah, in a gated community. And uh, this is where I, ha- I start having some pictures. Oh, oh, shit, dude. Look how much space there is. Wait. You can't. Where the hell is that in Alpine? I know where that is. You can see Utah Lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the left of this picture, looking at this picture on the left is like, AF Canyon, just over like one of the hills is oh. AF Canyon. So it's like deep nestled into like a valley. I didn't even know they Alpine. were up there, bro. Bro, this is the super rich. Yeah. Um, you can't hit a house trying to throw a rock from your house. If I you're, can probably hit it. I can probably hit it. You can throw a pig skin, <laughs> a pig skin, pig skin a quarter mile. Coach, you put me in the fourth quarter. Yeah. We would have been state champions. <laughs> Um, you were homeschooled, bro. <laughs> <laughs> State champion. You were bro. the coach. <laughs> <laughs> Offense and defense. Um, there's just so much space and land. That's you, true. you know how we talked about the bitterness earlier? Yeah. Are you feeling it? It's just growing. Yeah, it's just growing. Um, go to the next pick. I mean, here, here's my uh, opinion, <sighs> and it could be invalid to all of you. But, like, to me, it's, like, to each their own. If I had my own place, I would probably get, like, one of those tiny houses. <laughs> like, even if I had a shit ton of money, I'd probably still just get a tiny house that was mobile. That'd be sick. I mean, you say that. For sure. No, no, for sure. <laughs> I am a poor man. I am a poor man. So For sure. To each their own. And uh, it was just crazy to, uh, I don't know, see this firsthand. Uh, this this is, is gorgeous. This is yeah. the last house on the list. Oh. This is the last house on the list. That's sexy. If you look, there's the main house mm-hmm. in the middle. And at the top, 
That other house, that's the garage. That's oh. what it, yeah, it's got those garage doors. That garage is as big as this house. No. <laughs> and this house is big. Yeah. Um, the house on the bottom left is the master suite. <gasps> what the? Dude, they have a tunnel, bro. They got a tunnel yes, going to the main it's, house. It's, the master suite is its own wing. Oh, dude. And that's a ball in. If you go to the next picture, that's Ooh. the wing that you, that's the, the, the hallway you walk through. It goes over First a stream. All, they built terrifying. a They built a stream that goes underneath that hallway. I'm not a huge and like. At the top, there's speakers and it plays sounds from the stream. So it feels, like, it feels cool. like you're outside when you walk through. That's kind of cool. Insane. So nowadays, it's politically incorrect to master, say master suite because it's racist. Hmm. So That's what do they call it? Bomb and master I, suite. I, I, uh, they called it master suite, and <gasps> I was I was feeling it, dude. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I agree. You shouldn't be using master bedroom here. DJ gets real holier than yeah. that all of a sudden. <laughs> so insane. There were two doors at the end of that hallway, and it was just a roundabout. You could walk in. You would go into the right side, and it's uh, the closet, and then it's the bathroom, and then it's the the bedroom. So there's like they thought about not having dead ends. You know, huh. like you can go either way. So crazy. I'm not a big fan of the dirt landscape, though. Like they could have done something better with that. Like throw some mulch shit in there or something. Bro. I'm going to get to that in a second. I'm going to get to that in a second. Have you ever heard of a butler's pantry? Yes. No. I had heard of it, but I it's, watched- it's kind of a, it, it's it's a newer concept. It's a newer concept, I guess. Maybe new to us because we're Dude, poor. This over, I had no idea what it was until like this last winter break. I watched an illegal amount of HGTV <laughs> with the in-laws. It's like, dude, that's all we did. And dude, I our parents' generation are sluts for HGTV. I, I, I'm starting to get it. Yeah. I'm starting to get Trading it. Trading spaces. To get up there. Oh, yeah. and, uh, bro, listed or uh, love it, bro. That show is insane. lit, bro. So watching HGTV, that's where you found out about Butler's Pantry. I definitely remember that term. Do you, do you remember what it was? It's like a separate preparation area, right? Exactly. So if you go to the next picture. Because like usually you would prepare the food in the kitchen. You can see the entrances on the left, the living rooms in the middle, which, mind you, is three cushions deep. And even with the three cushions, you had enough room for it, like to prop your legs up. Just so comfy. And on the right... Look how big those doors are. The whole thing opens up to the pool. And then you can see the kitchen in the back. But if you go closer, closer view of the kitchen, and that door leads to the butler's pantry, which is where the food is actually prepared. The food where the food is actually prepared. Well, so that's freaking stupid. Waste of room. <laughs> the the next picture is oh, so you can see the kitchen on the left, and that's the butler's pantry. Um we're kind of covering it, but you can see the sink and the counter space. And it's like backstage. And then the front stage is just like show. Yeah, you know? that's a big sink too. I like that. Like Right? It's massive. Uh, it, it's just insane, like seeing places like this. And the funniest part is what Sean just went over. Not necessarily the dirt, but the whole time walking through any of these houses, I would hear everybody chat, like chit-chatting, talking about what they thought. And like, more than, oh, I don't like this. They should have gone like this. More than half of the comments were critics <laughs> <laughs> talking about how 
they should have done this differently. Let's see your piece of shit house. <laughs> Dude, it was insane. And like I said, I don't know if I was on the train or off the train or with both. what they were saying, but like it was it was just all part of the experience and listening to them. I was like, at least I feel like we all hate these people, you know? <laughs> Dude, it makes it, it brings up several topics to my mind. And one starting is like people love to judge. Oh. People True. just love to judge. I, I love to judge. Oh, it's I do fun, too. Dude. Yeah. There's times where like we I've thrown on shows for the sole purpose of just like judging the hell out of everything. Because it's I don't but what is it about that? Like, does it make you feel better as a person? I don't know. Uh I feel like those shows that you guys throw on to judge, I'm like actually entertained by. <laughs> like Love Island. <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe I'm really am the lowest common denominator here. I don't know. Like everyone, it's not in, that we're not entertained though. Oh, I, right, I think right. it's both. Yeah, I think everyone or a, a lot of people just have like an inner critic, where it's like they feel like they can just like like us on this podcast. Like we have we have takes on things, and it's like why? Who cares? Nah. Like <laughs> Sean, what are you most critical about outside of yourself? Like maybe something I don't know, worldly, something in the outside world. That you're constantly judging. People's shoes when I'm playing basketball against them. <laughs> what about them? If I see someone wearing Adidas, I know I'm breaking their ankle. Oh. If I know they're wearing Jordans, I know they're rich and they uh, don't really know how to play basketball. Yeah. So, so what scares you? Chuck what Taylor's? What scares me, bro? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? what someone uh, growing up with just uh, flip-flops, bro. Oh, oh man. <laughs> the slip-us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they take it off and put on their hands. Bro. You Double ever, speed. You ever heard like to be afraid of the guy who's in the black Nike Dunks? Oh yeah, <laughs> or, or Air Force, Force ones. ones. Black yeah, Air black Air Force, Air Force ones. ones. And they're just like, dude, that Don't guy, trust watch out. Yeah, he'll yeah. fight you. Yeah. <laughs> he has nothing to lose. Um, or N ones. Oh, dude, if they're wearing Shacks, bro, I know they're for real because they're know still they showing up in Shacks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they came from nothing, but they're uh, still trying to ball. Started from the bottom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it was just so funny to walk around and hear that. Um, moving on though. Wait, wait, I have another thought. Oh, I've seen, and I, I've often felt like houses that big. I have two things with this. They feel like cold and like a hotel and it's not like a home. Did you experience that at all? Or were there houses you were like, Oh no, I could see myself living here. Some. Yes. I think like the feel of a home comes down to like the interior design like, I'm into, like, having good, like, feng shui in the room. Like, even something as simple as how I sleep. Like, I want my feet facing the door, you know? Mm. Something oh, as yeah. simple as that. But when you have that huge budget, it's weird to walk into a place and uh, they don't spend as much money on the inside as they do on the outside. Mm. You know? Well, and that, too, like... What is it they say that once you get to the 1%, your, like, taste just goes to shit? Yeah. A lot of rich people have a terrible taste because they didn't spend their time in, like, create creativity and the arts. It was just, like, business. So they look at price tag probably. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, I'll buy this huge gold statue and put it in the middle of, like, my my living room. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. It's, like, yeah. right in front of the TV. You're like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Perfect example is, do you remember when Drake unveiled his home in Canada and got flamed? And everyone was <laughs> yeah. like, that looks like the most uncomfortable nightclub <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Like, everything is 
porcelain and marble and gold and sparkly. And it's like, it looked like a headache, bro. <laughs> so half the people were like, well, you know, he's successful. He can do whatever he wants. And other people were like, I would never live in that. That looks terrible. <laughs> but I don't know. For me, it's always like form over, or yeah, form, form. over function. Nope. Function, function over, over form. form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, if it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't feel good, it's like, I don't care. It's like those sneaker shopping episodes, like where they have like famous people going buy sneakers. And the one I related to most was Don't Roast Me was Tiesto. Because <laughs> everything was function over form. or Yeah, function over form. And I was like, yeah, I would get those ones. I would get those ones. So too. homeboy's going for the New Balances. He's going for he's the, the Reeboks. Really, really comfortable shoe. <laughs> you know? Comfortable shoe because he's up there DJing all the time. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Bro. I'm about that. I and get then, it. Like, I was like, damn, but it's Tiesto though. <laughs> see, I want the I want the best of both worlds. I see you, yeah. Is that too much to ask? Dude, you just want the most, bro. <laughs> I do want the most. Uh, and I do the least. Yeah. <laughs> you want it all, not doing anything. The second second issue is like morality. Hmm? When you see that much success or excess, hmm. do you think it's moral? Like do you think there's a moral conversation to be had about a person amassing so much wealth past beyond what they need? And this is kind of a bigger discussion in society right now because it's like the eternal battle between like capitalism, socialism. And it's like, we have billionaires. Why don't they just pay for every? Like they could end world hunger. Mm-hmm. But is it on them? I mean, I think that ethically and morally we should give as much as we can, but also – I'm one of the people who's like, if you work for it, you deserve it. Mm. And I see a lot of people like work with me. I'm like, man, you're not really putting in the work. And there's a reason why you're not making the check that these other people are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that conversation can be as long or as short as you want it to be. Mm. Like you can, you can go around and around and around in circles talking about how much more somebody has or how much worse somebody has it too, you know? Like, True. people are always like, we shouldn't be complaining because, like, Africa exists, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. The age-old we kids talk, in Africa don't but have But, like, that's not justification for, like, like one individual's personal, mm. you know, challenges or triumphs. We we talked about it briefly in the last episode where I was I was basically, like, making fun of people who say, like, saying they, they actually have a hard time in America. Which, like, listening back, I I shouldn't frame it like that. And I definitely don't want to, like, belittle people's struggle because it's real. But, like you're saying, it is relative if you compare it to, like, something. If you compare it to, like, the biggest thing in the world or the littlest thing in the world. You know what I mean? It's like you can make any comparison you kind of want. At that point, like, if you go on long enough with that, um, like, mode of thinking, then it just becomes, like, a big dick swinging contest, like. Mine's bigger or mine's smaller. How so? Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, oh, just like in general. It's like I mean, a, why? Why are we at at some point? It's like why are we comparing? Are we comparing just to compare? Or it also gives like a good outlook on where your view is. Like if you're always down on yourself, you may just be looking at people who have more than you or things that you want instead of looking at what you have. They say the comparison is the thief of happiness, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with that. And I was going to say earlier, this whole like parade of homes is like Instagram in real life. Mm-hmm. And it, as much as like Instagram, I think is a useful tool. I think it is also an insidious, like I think everyone thing that's happening that to everyone. With social media, like the, ben- like there's so many benefits and detriments yeah. due to social media. So yeah. show. 
social media. So social media. It's just trying to find balance. I think. True. True. All things in moderation. Because sometimes you're you. Some people would see these homes and be like. This is gross. And some people would see these homes and be like, this is inspiration. Like, I want to yeah. grind harder. And I don't know where I am right now. I, I, I go back and forth. I see both arguments. And uh-huh. uh, I mean, I see the pool and I'm like, I want to be better. I see their landscape. I'm like, I, I don't want that. They need to be better. <laughs> they need better. Um, no. Uh, we walked away feeling, I don't know, fulfilled. Or we had like a half an hour conversation. Like, how are we going <laughs> to like get? A regular house <laughs> <laughs> bro i like routinely think that like how am i gonna get a regular house dude <sighs> i've said it before but i constantly have a dilemma or crisis when we're when we on the rare occasion we do order food out because m- my wife and i try to make every meal we can I have to decide if I want to get fries or not because it's like, oh, that's more money. <laughs> it's like, so that's where that's where my my life's at, <laughs> which is like same, same to these people, basically. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure they're fussing over whether they should get fries <laughs> yeah. or not. Are we going to get the uh, king size fries or regular size? Dude, to each their own. <clears throat> this might be that's a, how I feel about it. This might be a good spot for a Patreon plug. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yo, help us out. Help me. For two dollars a month, you can sponsor a poor podcaster in yeah. in Utah. Yeah. For real, actually, update on because of the Patreon, we've been able to buy a fourth mic and headphones hey. for Kalima. Thank you. Before he had some rickety ass setup over in the corner. Barely even hear him. Dude. Yeah. Dude, that's that's interesting. It's overwhelming. It brings up a ton of thoughts, a ton of feelings, and discussions. All of which. I am not emotionally stable enough to go into. (laughs) It was a lot. Feeling a little fragile right now. It was was a little sensory overload (laughs) on lots of different fronts. but Dude, interesting. Uh, I recently heard the elites of Utah are in group chats, private group messages where they talk about investments and things of that nature. And I don't want to go into any detail on who, but... Or what? Because this was told to me, not in confidence, but they, I don't think they, I don't know. Tell it, dude. I don't know. I got to be careful. No, tell it straight. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I have a, I know of a person who has a mentor who is very well off. To put it in perspective, when Bitcoin was a dollar, he invested $2.1 million. So he owns over 2.1 million Bitcoins, which are now a little more than a dollar. Just a little bit. (laughs) And that's just like his initial wealth. He has since just tripled and quadrupled and continues to grow. Like he cannot not make money. He bought an entire cul-de-sac, all the houses, the houses behind the cul-de-sac, and he's going to build like a small village for himself. He's a young guy. I think he's younger than me. (laughs) Um, Anyway, he talked about- Where did he get the first 2.1 mil? He created a company uh, and sold it to a large tech company. Okay. Yeah. I'll, tell, a, I'll tell you guys grinding. off air. I'll he tell you guys off grinding. air. Uh, anyway, he they routinely, like he's talking to the owners of like Qualtrics, the owners of Vivin, they're the, the head investors for the church, the LDS church. Like they're all in these group chats and they just say like, hey, this is like a good investment or hey, like this would be a good opportunity or have you guys, you know, talk about the world, dude. Dude, uh, 
our group chat consists of just memes, and I think that's uh, <laughs> literally everyone else's just group as chat. valuable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but very interesting. It's weird when you like get a taste of that life. I've had it a couple times over the last year. Um, one one of them being a cousin. My wife's cousin babysits for an oil family. And this oil family is like richer than God. And he might have come into power because of murder. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is all a video game. This is all a dream I had. This is OJ. <laughs> but she heard some crazy stories and she's pretty sure oh someone died gosh. and she became big player. Anyway, they had a room at the Montage. This is where the Kardashians stay. Uh-huh. And they left a couple days early. And he said to her, hey, if you want to have people up here, invite them. You know, get anything you want. It's on me. And they left. So they invited us. And I barely make it up the hill. This is where this is where the Kardashians stay when they come to Utah. In my RAV4. <laughs> and I get out and I, I like want to apologize to the valet. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry you have to drive this. <laughs> and dude, oh man, I just was like, wow, this is this is how the other percent live. Like it is so crazy. It's just weird. Um, Kalima, you just hit your, uh, what, three-year anniversary? Four. Four. Oh. Dude, congrats. Thanks. What'd you do? <sighs> we went to Ruth's Chris. Ooh. Oh, balling. So 1%. Yeah, we, we go <laughs> once a year, normally on our, on our uh, anniversary. Dude, that's like a good tradition, bro. Yeah, we went to Ruth's Chris. Um, we go there and we just people watch the whole time. <laughs> We like we feel like it's such an experience, and we went right before a jazz game, and so everybody there we we dressed nice, and we thought that like people would think we looked rich if we dressed nice, but we realized that the richest people were just like casual Crocs, bro. Yeah, they, they don't do care. that. They really do that. At one point, you become so rich, you stop looking rich, and it becomes almost cooler. And I forgot the right word to look poor. In it's a like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off when they're in the hotel or Crazy Rich Asians. What do you mean? When they're in the hotel and the staff is like, what are you doing here? And then like Crazy Rich Asians are like, we own this hotel. And they're like, oh, get yeah. out. And it's like, anyway, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's kind of funny you brought that up, uh, Charles, because we so we brought my beater like Scion cube car. <laughs> And it's valet only in Salt Lake. And so I come out and I tip the guy and I'm kind of like, there's people lined up outside and they're all dressed like super rich people. And from across the parking lot. Wait, before that. What? What cars did they have? Oh, yeah. In the front they had like, what they have? Teslas. They had a Aston Martin. They had like, just like the bougiest cars. And from across the parking lot, my... uh if you leave the AC on and turn the car, and turn the car on, it'll screech like a banshee. So, so from across the parking lot, I hear this song. I'm like, oh, no. My hand's on my face. The valet driver drives up, and he's got this smile on his face. You're like, oh, that's the wrong car, bro. Uh, go back and find the right one, dog. It's like, just shut up and let me leave. Yeah. He gives you back your tip. Yeah. He's like, you need this, homie. It's like, I drive a BMW. You need this. <laughs> Bro, when I was at the the montage, or, or no, Deer Valley, what is it? Mon- oh, I don't even know what it's called. Who cares? When I was up there, I didn't tip. 
because oh. I didn't have money, bro. <laughs> so I straight up got in my RAV4 as fast as I could. And I, I basically was just like, I'm so sorry. Because like, I couldn't tip them, bro. You're like, bro, you cash. take Venmo? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Insane. I think there's a charm to being as broke as we are. <laughs> I like to tell myself, you know? So, anyway. One day, fellas. One day. One day. We're all. Uh, if what? you're not a patron yet, go to <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/the3am/pod. We're all feeling existential dread. I know a lot of things. Do we even want to record today? <laughs> <laughs> We're out here trying. I need to go redo my resume or something. <laughs> I'm gonna start faking my resume, dude. Yeah. Start getting some better job offers, bro. It's crazy. No, I. Uh, it's interesting. <sighs> Port of Homes, Utah, rich people. It's a, it was a very Utah thing, I feel like. <laughs> like, you're not going to see that in Central Valley, California. High suicides in the country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. that city that that uh, house was in, Alpine, Lone Peak High School, is has the highest suicide rate out of all high schools in the nation. So It's weird, because economically they're doing so well. Yeah, I think not. Well, <laughs> that took a dark turn, my yeah. bros. <laughs> With that, let's get into our stories, my kings. Yar. All right, guys. Now we roll our 20-sided die, 20-sided die to determine in what order we tell our stories. Highest number goes first. And the numbers are. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light. Lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you're needing, if that's something that's missing... Give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am. And you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3am. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. Seven, two, six. Seven, Sean. Two, DJ. Six, Charlie. So we'll go. Sean, Charlie, Deej. Let's go. All right, guys. It's been a while since I started first. I've been rolling crappy last, <laughs> like, month or so. And, like, let's be honest. I still only rolled a seven tonight. So this is lucky for me. Yeah. Be better, dude. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying. It's my goals in life. But I got a good story for us tonight. It is from a recent listener just recently discovered the podcast says she loves it has been binging it her name is emma 
She's from Bluffdale, Utah. Nice. She is LDS and says she believes that just as easy as you can invite good spirits, you can invite the bad spirits, which is something we've talked about before. Like that veil becomes more thin for you as you invite any type of spirit, right? She said that her and her friends love horror movies. And we've all been in this place and time where we're scrolling through Netflix once again, trying to find a good scary movie. Mm. Then we go over to Amazon Prime and we look for it there. And then we go to Hulu and we look for it there and we can't find a good movie. Well, Emma and her friends back in 2019 were going through such a dry spell. They stumbled upon a movie that they had heard was good, but they knew nothing about. This movie was hereditary. Yes. (laughs) So they stumbled onto this movie and they decide they're going to go watch it, having little to no expectations because they, like I said, had heard it was good but didn't know anything about it. She said it scared the shit out of them, but they loved it and became kind of obsessed with it. So like she's saying, they went and like looked up a ton of like facts and like information did research on the filming of the movie and even the demon in the movie. If you remember, what's his name? Payman. Payman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they did like a bunch of research on that. Are you going to talk about any of that research? Well. Because I have side note. Side note. Go for it. Filmed in Park City, Utah. Yep. So close to where we live. Mm-hmm. The uh, graveyard scene is filmed like four minutes from my house. Bro. I went to the graveyard. I looked where they filmed. And payment. if you know anything about Ari Aster, he's the director in his movies, he's known for doing research and basing it off of, like, fact. So it's yeah. not like some Hollywood script. It's all, like, if he's going to do a movie about demons, he goes deep into demon mythology facts, yeah. and figures out, like, names of the demons and, you know, traits and all this shit. Starts and like developing the, a script based off of that. Yeah, yeah. So he's very thorough. She says that in the course of this, over the course of this obsession that they had with this movie, it seemed to invite something into their house. So she said her house was built brand new in about 2014. So she couldn't think of any other reason for things that would maybe start happening in this because there was no previous owners, Indian burial ground maybe, but like. I love how that's like the go-to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but anyways, she says based on the recent events and their obsession with this, with this research of hereditary, it seemed to invite something into the home. She said weird things started happening. Things like doors opening or closing or lights flickering on when they would pass or flickering off. And specifically in their guest bedroom in the basement where no one really ever went because it was basically closed unless they had guests. Anytime that they would go down to the basement, the door would be open. And it was just really freaky. It was just really freaky for them. Now, Emma and one of her friends one night were just chilling in the basement and like Across from this guest room is their, like, little movie room or whatever. And her friend gets up to go to the bathroom. And as he goes to the bathroom, which is behind the movie room as well, he goes to open the door, and something closes the door from the other side. And then they hear a knock. And both thoroughly freaked out. They kind of have this discussion amongst themselves that they probably need to chill out and maybe not be so into all of this and be inviting this into their home. And partially because her friend was about ready to take off on a mission. He's like, okay, I maybe need to step back from this a little bit. (laughs) 
And I think she even said that she had her papers in to go on a mission as well. So they're they're both like mutually agreeing, hey, maybe we need to chill mm-hmm. a little bit. Now, after that, a few days later, her mom comes and tells them, for some reason, she keeps waking up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. Now, her mom is on the main level, their bedroom, and the way that the bedroom is oriented, I guess, you like look out the front like bedroom door and you can see the base of the stairs that go up to like Emma's room and like siblings room and stuff like that. So her mom on the third night says she's now woken up for the third night in a row at 3 a.m. And as she looks out her door, she sees a dark figure crouched right at the base of the stairs. Now she's kind of groggy, like trying to wake up and she immediately assumes it's just Emma coming home late Trying just to get away with as she does, <laughs> just trying to get away with not coming home till three a.m. So she calls out her name, and her mom said that wh- whoever or whatever it is looked right at her, and then it like kind of what's the word she used scurried up the stairs. So that mental image to me is also terrifying. She thought it was Emma, couldn't confirm. At Emma this said point, it wasn't her. Emma or not, concerning activity. At like, this point, yeah. Emma, what the hell are you doing at 3 a.m.? <laughs> Spider-manning up the stairs. Yeah, big node for me, dog. Um, anyways, things after that stopped for a little while. Emma said for about a year. She once again was looking for a movie on Netflix, scrolling the Amazon Prime, scrolling the Hulu, comes across another Ari Oster, Midsummer, And she started to watch it thinking, hey, this is different a little bit because it's, like it's like a cult, not a demon, right? And she made it about halfway through before she was like, I can't do this anymore and decided to turn it off. Was it the period blood? It could have been the period blood. It could have been the, the cliff. The cliff, bro. Oh, that one cliff. was that was heavy, bro. That, it, that's where she turned it off, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather jump off a cliff than drink period blood. <laughs> Both are big no's for me, bro. The best part is when the, <laughs> the crowd of old ladies just grab the back meat. <laughs> you know what I mean? They help a boy out. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. They were just, you know, doing the most. Yeah. <laughs> Wing women. Terrified as she is at this point, turning off the movie halfway through, she goes to bed. And then in the morning, she wakes up with three apparent claw marks bruised into her leg. That's wild. And she has no idea what what the cause of that was. Now, since that time, she has also had one more experience that seemed to stand out from the rest. She said this was only a few months ago. So this is something that is still currently happening as far as we know. Hmm. Up to a few months ago. She said she was laying in her bed waiting for her laundry to be done. And it was around 12 a.m., around midnight. She said she dozed off but suddenly wakes up to a man's voice in her room. And she sits up and looks. And at the corner of her bed, she sees a tall, dark figure-shaped mist moving straight at her. She, like, does a quick roll out of the bed and, like, stands up on her feet, and as she looks back, it's gone. Now, she hasn't seen the figure-shaped mist since, and she says it was weird because it wasn't dark. 
her lo- room was lit up and she knows what she saw. Ew. And to this day, she's still confused by the experiences. She doesn't know what is the cause, but seems to kind of correlate those movies with what started happening in the house. But that is the most recent experience that's happened so far. Damn. And that's where we're at. Holy smokes. <laughs> Holy mist. <laughs> Missed me with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> during, the, during the, like, in broad daylight, just like midsummer. Oh, yeah, dude. That's scary, man. I feel like, yeah, like, when it's light and stuff is happening to you and you, like, can clearly see it, that's so disorienting. Mm-hmm. Like, what is happening? I can justify most things, but... <laughs> Dude, I don't know about that. In no way am I an expert, but it is my opinion some people are more susceptible and sensitive to those things. And unfortunately, from the data, <laughs> from the story we just heard, it kind of sounds like Emma might be more sensitive. <laughs> and 100% could be possible. And I would highly suggest being careful on what you invite in. Do what would you do if you like woke up with those kind of bruises? What what would be your my initial reaction would be mad. I'd be so pissed. Like, bitch. <laughs> why you touch me? Yeah. <laughs> That's not consensual scratch. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be terrifying to wake up to, first of all. You'd be like just confused. Like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, I'd be upset. I, I've talked about it so many times, but I feel so vulnerable when I sleep. Mm. Don't want to be messed with. Yeah. I'd be pissed. I definitely would take a photo and consider sharing it on the pod. <laughs> but I don't know. Definitely considering that photo is creepy. It really is. Because it happened so recently, I mean, I hope something else doesn't happen, but you know, it could. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on the real, pray to whatever God you believe in. Sage that house. Definitely Play sage. some hymns. Watch Disney movies. Dude, Disney movies are the best way to clear the air. They're the realm. sage of, I don't know, 2020. <laughs> 2021. Oh, yeah. I definitely, it's like, at this time, I've never felt stronger. I don't want anything to happen. Yeah. Uh, what do you do to clear the air? Do, do. No. Me? Um, yeah. What's your favorite way? That's a good question. I would say just putting on an uplifting movie. Or a classic. Usually it's like late at night and I want to go to bed as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I need to, I need something short. Mm, you might need to go with the sage, bro. Just light up. I usually put on a – there's a YouTube channel called Daily Dose of Internet. Oh. And it's just, <laughs> he sounds like he's 12 years old. He's like, this is your Daily Dose of Internet. That's like four minutes of – And that just soothes you? Yeah. Just internet videos. <laughs> just like bro. random videos. That works pretty well. That's a good one. I, like that. I can't think of like ways that I try to clear the air. Like most of the time I just go to bed. I'll put my earplugs in and lay down. Podcasts for me. That's There's several one. comedy podcasts I like. Anyway. Man, it sucks to have something. It sounds like it sucks to have something in your home. It's supposed to be your place, your safe space where you go to feel right safe. Yeah, safe. Away <laughs> from any distractions or anything. Uh, demonic, <laughs> violent, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> outside. And uh, cause what do you do? Leave your house? 
I know, yeah. And it's but yeah, you can't just <laughs> up and buy a new yeah. home. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, they need to egg the place. Oh, from egg the ritual. inside. Yeah. We'll egg your house. What's your exact address? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thing. That's a fun one. Thank Dude. you for sending that. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thanks, Good luck, Emma, Emma. For, for sending the story. That's all me for tonight. Good luck. Nope. Oh. Thanks, Sean. Got you guys. All right. That's me. Dude, for my story, we're staying in Utah. Ooh. Let's call this Utah four, bro. Three, sorry. Depending on his story. But yeah. Gigan. And this song. Nope. This story comes to us from a good friend, Hunter. Ooh, shout out. Hunter's one of my childhood friends. I grew up with him. I have every story I have of Visalia or growing up, Hunter was most likely there. Um, since moving to Utah, I actually moved to Utah with him and we lived together for a really long time. He got married, got a real job, big boy job. He is a firefighter and paramedic. Dope. So near Salt Lake City. He's seen stuff. Dude, he, his type of stories. Most of them are not like they're traumatic, they're intense, and it's just like I always walk away like, damn, that's heavy. Yeah. And he, he he's talked to me about it before, but like in firefighter and paramedic culture, it's like you just you do anything you can just just keep your spirits up. So a lot of times it's like dark humor, mm. and, and it's just like you you do what you got to do because mm. you got to keep going and you can't let it you can't let it like bring you down. Um, he's talked about countless boobies from like 80 year old women. I think a lot of his calls are really old <laughs> ladies and they have to apply like the EKG stuff pads. Dude, I don't, I don't know, but they have to apply the pads to check the heart. Know. Yeah. And so he, he's told me, he's just like, he's like, okay, ma'am, like we're going to have to put these pads on you. And he just puts his forearm under their, their boob down by their like belt. And he just lifts up the boob and like puts on the patches and stuff. So he's seen it all. He's, he has seen it all. But he's like, uh-huh. recently hit me up and he's like, bro, I have I have a story for the pod. Ooh. And this one is more our theme. So one night, Station gets a call around 3 a.m. Fuck. And, and he, I hate that, man. Yeah, I know. I hate every time 3 a.m. is involved in the story. And he knows that, but he's like, I'm just telling you how it happened. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I feel so damn gimmicky. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but what can you do? It just seems to be like a reason we chose the name for the show. (laughs) (laughs) So they get a call and the brief of the call is like, there's a seven year old woman. Um, She's been calling. Seven year old? 70. Okay. Okay. okay, Go ahead. And she's been calling and she's in distress and she needs your help. So you guys go out to her residence, make sure everything's okay. And just, yeah, do a checkup. No worries. They get the address. The dispatcher describes what the house looks like. It's a double wide. If you want to pull up picture one, it will kind of show us like what we're dealing with. It's in this trailer park where all these double wides, it's kind of like that. These double wides, though, are really spaced out. Like there's a there's a fair bit of space in between the double wides. Um, they describe in front of the house as a purple car. And they describe, you know, they give them the number of the unit, what the house looks like, the car in front. They even tell them where the spare key is. So go to this spot. She's there. She needs your help. Okay. So they, they go on their way. They roll up to this dark trailer park and pull up to the unit. Sure enough, there's the purple car, number of the unit, everything matches the description. So they get out and they walk up. And Hunter said, as I was walking up to the door, 
I don't know how to explain it. I just got a super eerie feeling. Ew. So he's walking up to the front door of this double wide. He can see in the back of the unit um, the flickering of a TV, and it's playing news so loud. And he's like, great, I'm probably going to have to help her with hearing because she's probably deaf in that room right now. Also watching the news. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, okay. Um, he gets up, knocks on the door. Fire department, you know, announces that they're there. No answer. TV just continues to blare. Knocks again. No answer. And so he's like, okay, um, I got a this procedure. They're going to enter the house. So he goes to where the spare key is, lifts up the pot. It's right there. Grabs the key, puts the key in, and he, he turns the handle and pushes the door open. And as he steps inside, one second ago, deafening news, instantly, silence. And the entire unit is dark. I don't like that. And as he's comprehending that, he steps in and says, like, hello, fire department, we're coming in to a completely silent unit. Quickly, he throws his hand on the wall, feeling around for the lights. Because <laughs> he's just standing in the pitch black. Flicks on the lights. And what he sees only further creeps him out. He said every inch of every wall, table, dresser, is covered in old family photos. Uh. And for some reason, they just make him feel ten times more creeped out. Bro, that's serial killer right there. So he says again, he announces, hello, anyone here? Silence. And he looks down the hall, down to the room where he saw the TV on just a second ago. And he thinks it's weird that she turned it off, right? Doors slightly ajar. And he looks around, gets his, like his, uh, the rest of his unit come in. And he looks back down the hall. And the door is now closed. So he has to find her, make sure she's okay. He starts making his way back down the hall towards the door. And with every step he takes, he's just getting more and more creeped out. Why did she turn off the TV? Why did she shut the door? Why is no one answering? How many people are with him? A couple. It's him, paramedic, so I'd assume it's him. I don't know exactly how many. And Hunter's a husky dude. Like He's, he's a big some, fella. Some girth to him. Oh, yeah. He can lift a boob with ease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also uh, lived two years in uh, Ghana? Uganda. Uganda. So he's been in the thick of it. Oh, yeah. He knows how to handle himself. Yeah. He's been in some sticky situations. Figuratively, literally. Yeah. <laughs> sticky, sweaty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in this situation, he is not feeling good. He said every step he took closer to the door, he just, it impressed upon him more and more how dead silent it was. There wasn't even a generator or heater on. There was like no electrical hum, which was weird. He reaches for the door. Grabs it and says again, hello, is anyone in here? Fire department. If you can hear me, make noise so we can help you out. Turns the knob, pushes the door open. Completely empty room. Oh my God. There's not even a TV in the room. And there's no one on the floor, no one in the bed. There's no one in the room. Instantly, his spidey senses spiked. He's freaked out. He steps back out, talks to his guys. 
They make a thorough sweep of the house, and there was no one there. Oh. So many scenarios are playing across their mind. Is this sabotage? Is this a prank? Is there someone really in need? Can we not find them? Are they outside? Did they leave the unit? Who called again? The lady, a seven-year-old lady. lady. said, I need help. I need help. I'm in this double wide. I'm in the back room. I need help. So they get back in contact with dispatch. Like, hey, is that lady still online on, on, on the call? No, like, let me check. Yeah, she is. Can you ask her to make some noise? We cannot find her. She says she's calling out. She's in the back room watching the news. Okay, well, there's no one here. Can you confirm we're at the right address? You're at the right address. Okay, ping her location. Make sure it's coming from where she says it is. Okay, one second. Yeah, it's it's oh coming from God. your area. Dude, this is crazy. It's like a <laughs> like House of Mirrors or something. And you're in an anechoic chamber. It's like silence. All of that. Dude, he says, we are all thoroughly freaked out. Dude, rightfully so. <laughs> I'm racking my brain right now trying to figure out what to do in a situation like this. They decide, let's make one more sweep inside, one more sweep outside, and we'll see. If, Hunter said, I don't know if there's like a hidden door. I don't know if there's like, you know, a basement or like a crawl space maybe she's in. So she's, they're like, we need to check every How hard can it be? It's a trailer. I know. I know. So he starts moving through the house and he said every step he's like, I was afraid someone was going to jump out. Like he was thinking sabotage and the crew was thinking like, we're going to get jumped or something. Like something's not adding up. Um, Do firemen uh, stay armed? Do they carry? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I haven't seen anything, but do they like conceal carry? That's a good question. Do they keep like a handgun in like their truck or something? I have no idea. We can ask him. Huh. He said, at this point, we are all super creeped out. We all look at each other and say, what the heck is going on? Where is this lady? Is there a secret room? Is there a basement we haven't found? So doing our due diligence, we once again go and search outside around the yard. We look around the neighborhood's yards, don't see anything. They make one final sweep of the house. After about five more minutes of looking, we decided to go over and drive around the block, like looking and seeing if there's any lights on another unit. Maybe they were confused, right? He said, Everyone is freaked out. They kind of meet back up and they have no idea what to do. So he, 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 Hunter has the mind where he just remembers every movie line from every movie he's ever seen. So instantly he's like, it's just like this one movie. And uh, he said, I'm thinking to myself, this is an old call from the past. We're getting it now in the future. Probably like that movie with Dennis Quaid. What, Frequency or something? Bro, he said, I'm not sure if any of you guys or listeners have heard of the movie called Frequency. Hey! But it's about this dad who is a firefighter who has an old ham radio that dies. I like that movie. And like 15 to 20 years later, his son goes into the garage and pulls out the ham radio, plugs it in, and somehow gets the frame, same frequency of his dad's, and they're able to communicate like cross generations. So he has all this going through his head, and he's like, are we getting a call from the past? Are we in the future? Are we getting a call from the future, and they're in the past? Oh, Crazy my. that it pushed him to that point of thinking, you know, yeah. a professional, like, first responder. Yeah. You know? I mean, even they're human, too, so he's just like, oh, yeah. what is this, yeah. bro? 
trying to figure out what's going on. Um, they do all they can. They get in contact with their captain. Captain, I think they get in contact with the police at this point, and they're, they're like, "Police, you go make contact with the family. See what you can find out." Captain's like, "There's not much you guys can do here. Go ahead and clear the call. You guys can take off. I'll stay behind." And so they leave, and they clear the call. And the, the whole time, they're just all thinking, "What the hell was that?" Later that night, they're all at the station. Captain walks in and he goes, hey, I just want to update you on the situation, which is good because they're all feeling mad, uneasy. And if like they never, you know, got resolution, it would have really stuck with them the whole time. Captain goes on to say, all right, that old lady, she's currently admitted into the hospital and has been for a couple weeks. They were finally able to make contact with her in the hospital via her family, figured out the whole situation. They talked to a nurse who was on the floor and asked her to go check on her and see if she's actually there. The nurse did and got a visual. She had severe dementia. So she was in the unit the whole time. She was in the hospital watching news, calling from the hospital saying she needed help. And so he kind of just chalked it up to, you know, lady with dementia made a false call. Yeah, but they pinged her. like. And how does that explain like the TV from the outside and they walk in? So the captain kind of gave the answer and said, like, you know, there it is. It's all a misunderstanding. Go about your day. And they still all felt unease about it because they, just like you, they were like, that doesn't answer everything. Yeah. Like, it said it was in the location. There's some- we thought we saw the TV. We heard the TV. Someone closed the door, right? They all felt mad, creeped out inside. Pretty large, loose ends. Dude. I, I, I'm going to liken it to stories I've heard from the forest the forestry where it's like in this field, you see things and you hear things and not everything you have answers for. And it's like, you just kind of keep going Mm. and you don't linger too long on it. Yeah. And so Hunter said it was one of the scariest things he's ever experienced in his life. He has no idea, you know, how or why, but it freaked him out. And he hoped we enjoyed (laughs) his trauma. (laughs) We did. That is terrifying. Like, I don't like that. Dude. (laughs) Just a fun story. I think there's so many stories out there of like first responders and the paranormal or things not being explained. Um, If you guys have any stories out there, please send them in. Go to our website or go to the link in our bio and our Instagram. Or just message us, DM us straight on Instagram. But we'd love to hear those stories. Um, Shout out, Hunter. Thank you so much, homie. Thank you. you. Big love. My next story. Y'all ain't ready for this, son. We're going to travel across hemispheres, across seas, to a grim, sad setting. We are in Australia at a funeral. And it's the funeral of Noelle Rakunda's stepmother. Super sad event. She died, sadly, before her time as so many do, people are mourning and crying, and it's a, it's a sad procession. Noelle's particularly affected by it and uh, overcome with grief. Talks to her husband, and they both decide it might be better for her if she takes some time and she goes back to the place of her birth in Burundi, Africa. So they both decide she's going to get a plane Ticket. She's going to fly, take all the buses and whatever, and go, and go back to her home and kind of clear her mind, kind of recoup, right? Mm-hmm. 
In doing so, en route, she's staying in a hotel. All alone with her thoughts, I'm sure she falls into a pit of despair, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and the grief strikes particularly bad. So she calls her husband and is just, you know, begging for help. Help help this pain go away, right? Mm-hmm. And he suggests just distract yourself, turn on a TV, go for a walk, get your, get, your, get out of this space, you know? Just go. And she goes, you know what, I, I am going to go on a walk. And she hangs up the phone with him. And she's never seen again. Oh, shit, dude. And now her husband, back in Australia, after a long time goes by and after having to come to the terms of, like, she, she's not coming back, she's dead, organizes a second funeral. So, funeral two, Australia. And now it's for Noel. Same thing. Everyone is weeping. It's super sad. Flowers and the, the picture of Noel, like when she was happy and alive. Everyone's crying, head bowed, tissues in hand, wailing. When a spine-chilling scream rings out, everyone turns and looks and sees a woman in the front standing and pointing to the back of the crowd. Everyone whips their head back and looks and sees something that none of them believe. And the rest is for Patreon. Oh, fuck. Damn it. It's Emma. Who's Emma? Noel. Or Noel. It's Noel. If you want to know well the rest of this story, <laughs> uh, head over to patreon.com slash the 3M pod. Uh, $2 a month. You get access to this bonus story and every bonus story from every episode every week. We appreciate you guys. For our regular listeners, we'll be right back. But for our patrons, buckle up. Oh, <laughs> All right. Uh, that's me tonight. That was my bonus story and my regular story. I appreciate it. Uh, shout out Hunter for the story and shout out BBC News for the other story. <laughs> but thank you guys. Who's Thanks. next? Gang, gang, it's me. Finish all of you off. <laughs> uh, this Finish one, me, daddy. <laughs> happily, gladly. This one comes from a good friend of mine, Elliot. And his wife, Haley. Shout out actual design, actual spelt with the letter K instead of C. Uh, A-K-T-U-A-L dot design on Instagram. Uh, they can help you design brand identity, website, logo. Um, the story comes from his experience as a scout growing up in Arizona. I know where this is going. His mom, <laughs> his mom, yeah, you do. <laughs> Scary story scouts. You're right. Your mama, Eagle Projects. <laughs> Spread Eagle Projects. <laughs> his mom lived in Mesa. And while he was in Mesa, he spent his teenage years scouting. There was a scout leader who had a lot of stories. And they, would, they would go camping in close to some national park. And you can pull that up. Saguaro? Yes, Saguaro Lake. Uh, well, that's a national park, but I bet there's a lake for yeah. it too, yeah. So they would go swimming in Saguaro Lake. Um, there's a campground called Bullfrog, typical Arizona desert setting. Bro, that is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, Elliot spent a lot of time out here uh, scouting, camping, hiking, swimming. He said they would go to, what is it called? Saguaro National Park? Saguaro National Park. 
there was a lake that they would head to. He said there was one time where they went at night and they would go cliff jumping. Ooh, dope. Super at fun. night? Yeah. It's <laughs> a little he wild. That particular night, they were, I can't remember if they were driving out or back, but it's far enough out. 20 miles on a little road, not quite a dirt road, but you were in the sticks. And it was him and his homies. And driving down the dark road, there are no lights. It's just their headlights. On the dark road, they see a silhouette. And as they approach the silhouette and they get closer and closer, it's a man. And he's standing on the side of the road. He's dressed in rags, all black. And his back is facing them. And his head is turned a little to the left towards the road. They can't quite see his face until they pass him. And Elliot said, I remember looking into this man's eyes. And it was terrifying. So many questions. How is he out here? Why is he out here? He said, if you were this far out and you have no supplies, which it looked like this man didn't have any, you're screwed. So that kind of started, or that was a big part of ex- of his experiences out there in this national park. He had that that was his only personal experience, but from there he he heard so many stories from his scout leaders and a few others, which I will be sharing tonight. So his scout leader would take them out. Uh, there was a story where they're sitting around the campfire and he's telling this, his own personal experience. He said, when we were younger or when I was younger, I came out here with a bunch of buddies and we brought a bunch of ATVs, a bunch of four wheelers. We just had a heyday out in the desert riding. One of our homies decided to head back to camp a little early for whatever reason. I'm like, cool, we're going to, we're going to ride out for another half hour or so. Buddy leaves. They're having a good time. Then the sun sets. They're like, all right, let's head back to camp. So they all start heading back. And much like Elliot's experience, on the way back to the campground, I guess the campground they chose was like a dead end. So it was one single road going to it, and that was it. Heading back to that campground, they see a dark figure on the road. And this figure is hurled up, laying on the ground. They get closer. They see it's their friend. So they all jump out of the car and they run up to him. His friend, his his eyes are open, but they're wide. He's terrified. Near incoherent. They're trying to get him back to his senses. Dude, what do you need? What happened? What's wrong? Did you see something? Did something happen to you? Are you hurt? Are you okay? After a few minutes of trying to console him, he finally speaks. And he says, I got back to the campsite and there was something strange. There was a fire already going. And as I got closer, I saw what started the fire. There were three of them dancing around the fire. And when I realized that, it was too late. 
they had noticed me, noticing them. From there, I booked it, and I left. I don't know if that was the whole story. It sounded like there were there was more that happened, um, but that's all the information Elliot gave me. So together, they went back to the campsite. They didn't stay the night. They packed up and left. But when they got there, the fire was still going. They didn't see the things that he was talking about. And they're like, I think we're okay. Let's just grab everything and, and head back home. Call it a day. So they get out of the car. I'm sure their homie stayed in the car and they left another one with him. And the rest of them went to go clean up. And they get to the campfire and they can see all the footprints around the campfire circling. Mm. And as they took a closer look, they noticed that these footprints were that of a human, except that they had long claws at the end. Uh. So after that experience, a scout leader and his homie, or the scout leader's homie, traumatized. To this day, refuses to go camping in Arizona. Uh, refuses to even go to like a bonfire for a night. It, it like shook him that bad. Understandable. Under, uh, very understandable. <laughs> so this was one of the stories that uh, Elliot heard from a scout leader. Scout leader continues to tell more stories. Oh. Scout leader says, there's an, there's an old time park ranger here in the national park that all of us know, or at least me and my, my homies know. I've been coming here for years. And we were never really close with him, but we came here enough where we we knew of him. And everyone knew this man as Crazy Joe. <laughs> oh. And he really was. Crazy Joe lived in the National Park in a trailer all by himself. Real tinfoil hat type. <laughs> I think of a hunt for the wilder people. <laughs> There's Psycho Sam. Oh, oh yeah. Living, <laughs> living out by himself. Um... Crazy Joe was a good guy, liked uh, being alone, had a bunch of stories. But one thing always stuck out to me, and it was something he said. And Crazy Joe told me, I live out here because I like the thrill of the fact that there are skinwalkers out here. <laughs> what? So Crazy Joe had told the scout leader, about a time where they also had a bonfire and they were leaving for the night, or at least a part of the group was leaving for the night. They're driving away into the darkness back home. And as they're driving, they can see the bonfire in their rear view mirror getting smaller and smaller until it disappears. And when they're alone in the dark, when they thought they were alone in the dark, they could see out the side of the window something running alongside their car and it's keeping pace with them they see it's half man half coyote and they lock eyes and then it shoots off into the distance in another direction and that was the first time the scout leader had heard something like that and that's probably the most common you know story with skinwalkers that most people have heard so that one really stuck out to the scout leader. 
He said, but there was one that stuck out to me the most. Crazy Joe befriended a lot of the natives in the area. He's on good terms with them. And there was one in particular who also, I think, lived by himself in the desert, a native. And he lived in a, sounds like a pretty rural house. Um, one of those with like the tinfoil roof. Not tinfoil, <laughs> tin roof. Um, and one night he's preparing for bed and he falls asleep. The wind's blowing. He wakes up every once in a while. He can hear the outside pretty clearly. He's dipping in and out of sleep when a loud bang right above his head wakes him up. And he can clearly tell that something is on the roof. He's laying there in the dark, and this thing is moving on the roof. And he realizes quickly, this thing is big. It's not a bird. Mm -hmm. It's not a coyote even. It's at least the size of a human, as if somebody was jumping, stomping on his tin roof. I'm not sure if he calls out to whatever's there, but at some point he decides it's not safe and he doesn't want to take any chances. So this man grabs his shotgun and puts a hole right into his roof, right into the source of where the sound is coming from. Dude, on sight, homie. (laughs) Honestly, on sight. He can hear this thing fall off the roof. And he can hear it run away. Next day, he wakes up, goes outside. He can see this thing has created rifts in the dirt. He was like, yeah, this thing's big. It's not like a dog or any type of animal we could find here in the desert. But it's gone. He had an uneventful rest of the night. So he thinks, I'm going to go into town, grab some supplies. See my family. Goes into town, gets what he needs. He visits his family. And to his surprise, they are all mourning. He walks in and says, what's wrong? What's going on? To which they reply, Grandma is dead. She's been shot. <laughs> they, at least uh, this this man, I'm not sure if the rest of the family or certain people in the family, this man knew that his grandma was involved with, with skinwalkers and she was working to become one. Or is that what he told everyone? What do you mean? Because only he witnessed something jump on the roof. Maybe grandma ate the last fry bread. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch! (laughs) Then he was like, oh, she was was walking the skin. (laughs) That's what grandma was doing. I'm just kidding. She was trying to become a skinwalker. This man was confident that he, he had killed his own grandmother that night and that she was trying to kill him 
Hmm. Crazy Joe posed it as that. This woman was trying to kill her grandson as one of the rites of passage of becoming, you know, a skinwalker, kill a loved one. You get their bones. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, that threw me for a loop when Elliot told me that. That it was his, he shot it, and it was his, uh, he, he forgot, I think he forgot the part. Initially, he forgot the part where he goes into town and told me that he came out of the house and he saw that it was his grandma on the ground. Mm. It's like. What is grandma doing up there? Like, if it if she was if she wasn't a skinwalker, what's she doing on the roof no, yeah, there's in yeah, the middle yeah. of the night? You know. So, <laughs> but uh, apparently, Elliot has contact with his scout leader. Still, he's going to go visit his mom next month in Mesa. He's going to try to reach out because his uh, scout leader has way more stories personally and from Crazy Joe. Mm. Ooh. One more thing on Crazy Joe. Dude, get Crazy Joe to call in, bro. I know. <laughs> Crazy Joe, after years of living by himself in the trailer, disappeared. Nobody knows where he <laughs> went. Nobody has heard from him. Nobody knows his family or friends. Nobody's seen him for years. He just disappeared. So I don't know if he finally got got. He's bone dust, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's the that's the story of of Crazy Joe and and the Scouts. Oof. Oof. Bro, you know what that made me think of? What's up? You know how a ton of gangs at one point in my high school there was an an old school version of Amber Alert. I don't know how it got through the town, but everyone knew. Everyone was on guard because it apparently a prominent gang from South America was recruiting in our area. And how they would do it is they would ram the back of your car on a road. When you guys both pulled over to see the damage, they'd hop out and shoot you. And if they did that, they were in the gang. But it's like, isn't it kind of crazy that there's like so many organizations and it's like your rite of passage is murder? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like it seems obvious, but it's, it's weird when you start like seeing patterns like that throughout so many different types. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It just made me think of that like weird. Yeah. I remember uh, my cousin telling me, because he's affiliated with the TCG. Tongue and Crip Gang. Yeah. A trading card game. <laughs> Everybody would joke in a way. But uh, he said he know like he knew a few people who were uh, got initiated and their rite of passage was also murder. And it was like they would drive around at night without their headlights on. And if and you flashed. The first person to like flash their brights, that was their target. It's kind of crazy, but it yeah, sucks. I'm like, I'm just trying to be a good homie out yeah, here I helping you out. <laughs> you freaking kill me. Speaking of TCG and Hunter, <laughs> Hunter grew up in this like little cul de sac, and across the street from him were two less active Tongans, the Keikahoas. I think they were Hawaiian too. Yeah, they're a big family, huge in the TCG in our area. And they taught Hunter everything, bro. They taught him, like, how to do his first kickflip. They taught him how to steal. They, like, took him to the skate park. They were cool. I was I was terrified of them. They were huge. But fun, fun side. Fun story. side note. That's freaking wild. As if I needed another reason not to go to Arizona. Bro, crazy shit happens in Arizona. Yeah. It's like, it's ugly. 
It's 120 degrees 120 all the degrees, time. And there's just skinny boys running around everywhere. <laughs> Those are fun, though. I would love <sighs> to hear more. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Haley. Actual design. Check them out. Thank you, Boy Scouts of America. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Crazy Joe. Wherever you are. He's listening for sure. Yeah, for sure. In hell. <laughs> Boys, that was fun. Yeah. Good up. Let's wrap it up. Any announcements, anything people need to know, or are we good? Negative. All right, let's do this. Enjoy your summer. Have fun. Stay cool. Ooh. What else did you guys write in yearbooks? Uh, not you, Sean. Hags. Dude, my yearbook, I <laughs> wrote my journal. <laughs> Hags. Bro, we... Uh, what the hell's Hags? Have a good summer. Uh, uh. Um, when we... <laughs> just speaking about, like, how times have changed. I graduated in 2010. I took my girlfriend back home to Hawaii in December for the first time, showing her my stomping grounds, introducing her to family, the works. And, uh, of course, there was that one night where we break open the bin of uh, scrapbooks that mom made, old pictures of me and my brothers and my family, and... uh, Yearbooks? Yearbooks. Yeah. <laughs> so she's combing through my yearbooks, reading stuff from like old girlfriends in high school. Uh, but the, the big thing was just language. How language has evolved because over almost, almost all of the uh, messages from boys and girls started with like... <laughs> Hey, F word. Sup, N word. Oh. <laughs> Sup, F word. <laughs> just like it was so normal back then. Dude, it really just was. Just talk like that. And people say like it was never normal. But you know what we're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> same for me, dude. Same for me. <laughs> so insane. I, I've always, I've often wanted to bring up on the podcast like if, if like the reason I would be canceled is because like I used to sing rap lyrics. And when I say rap lyrics, I mean every rap lyric <laughs> and that's just how it was where i was from bro <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and the era we're from it is crazy because like yeah i would never in a million years like like think to talk like that now yeah or like say the f word like when's the last time i heard the f word used it's so <laughs> but like literally every day it was every other word in the 2000s yeah yeah wild that was times. literally 10 years ago so we have made some progress, guys. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for listening in. We really appreciate it. Uh, this has been episode 97. Ooh. So. See you in the next one. We'll see you in the next one. Uh, trust your gut and watch your back. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Be careful out there. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you.
You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy, and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network, you can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at killerpodcast.com.